Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Chat. As always, I am your panel moderator, Casey Hutchison. And tonight we have so much to discuss, but it's all about one soap opera in particular, and that is CBS's The Young and the Restless. So tonight we're doing another top five episode, and it's the top five ways to improve Windar, but it's a little different. We're actually going to go in categories. So we have five categories. We're going to look at production. We're going to look at writing. We're going to look at um, our favorite characters and actors. We're going to examine it all. So before we do our deep dive into Genoa City, let's say hello to our co-host. Alan, how are you? Fine, still amused about that, that BBC porn on Tristan Rogers' page. Which one of you hacked Tristan Rogers? I know one of you is listening. Fast up. <laughs> it's it's got to be a listener of ours. It's got to be <laughs> um, because they get their messiness from us. So <laughs> it's got to be some of them. And then, of course, the always gorgeous diva Tiggs Abbott Newman Chancellor. How are you? I'm doing swell. Thank you so much, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess. Okay, so. Before we dive into the five categories for tonight, let's discuss just kind of a foundation for tonight's show. And that is, who do we consider to be the continuous anchor of The Young and the Restless? Now, this can be a character, this can be a couple, this can be a family, just somebody that doesn't necessarily keep you tuning in, but somebody who you consider to be the absolute core fixture of Windar. So, Alan, who is that for you? Darren. Point blank period. I, Sharon's what got me hooked on the Young of the Restless. Sharon's why I keep on watching the Young of the Restless. She just, even when she's running her fucking crazy and having her people dropping volcanoes right in front of her. You still care about Sharon because she just has such a warmth to her. She's the quintessential soap heroine. She really is like the ultimate soap heroine. Um, no matter how many crazy routes she takes, no matter how many babies she steals. <laughs> so that was a good one. Tiggs, what about you? Who do you think is the absolute core of The Young and the Restless? Well, I mean, to kind of echo Alan, you know me, Queen Sharon. I mean, she's the only character on that show that I say queen before her name every time I mention her. I've always, it's always been something about Sharon Case. I don't know what it is, but ever since I was a little boy, I've always been crazy about Sharon. Um, and my grandmother loved Sharon and my mother loved Sharon. Um, but besides Sharon, I'm going to have to say Nikki. Because with Jenny Cooper being gone and, and Jess Walton being on screen, seven episodes a year. Wine art is that soap where they don't really need a matriarch, but they damn for sure need a grand dame. And that's Nikki Newman now. And Melody Thomas Scott, she's that. like, And she's still you know, vibrant enough, even being a woman of a certain age, she still looks amazing. She can still carry a story. They just get, need to give Nikki something to do. Like, you know, Nikki helping out with Faith is the most substantial she's been in a year. Instead of having countless scenes of, you know, worrying about Victoria's 
cooter and telling her she works too much or, you know, listening to Victor wring his hands and bitch about Adam. She hasn't had anything to do. So she needs a storyline and she needs to have a focal point. Which we'll certainly get into writing a little bit later. Yeah. Um, But but, yeah, like I said, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. They don't Because like I said, yeah, she, she, like, Nikki should be next in line, but ultimately, yes, it should be Sharon. Because uh, so we yeah. all know the heart of the show is Trace. But, you know, Aww. they only try, you know, they only try Casey out once a month. <laughs> Stop that, Jackie. Um, but, yeah, for me, the core of Windar, I consider to be Victor and Nikki. And I put them together as the couple there because, you know, it's the most consistent and most important couple on the show. You know, for 40 years, they've been a main fixture of one another. And, you know, that one couple has also led to so many storylines and love triangles and corporate battles and uh, love scenes that we remember and think fondly of. And, you know, it ties back to these two characters um, that are two of the longest running characters on that show. And for me, you know, one of the main reasons I tune in is because I need to get my Victor fix and I need to get my Nikki fix. And if I can get a Nictor fix, then that's the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with both of what you guys said, even about Sharon. You know, um, Sharon Case has just always been permanent for so long. And, you know, she is definitely a veteran of that show after. 26 years and there's just something about Sharon Case. She can do it all. She can do romance. She can do affairs. She can throw people into volcanoes and it's fine. Um, And she's always entertaining about it too. Sharon Case, nobody can do crazy eyes like Sharon motherfucking Case. She never posted it. I've never seen Sharon Case phone in at all. Never. That's some of the worst writing. Yeah, I mean, two of the greatest things she's ever done is she dealt with, she sold a decade's worth of some of the shittiest writing that a character has had to deal with ever. Marrying Victor twice. Ugh. Not to mention having to carry Joshua Moore out his first 10 years on the show. Let's keep it real. He was so one of the reasons was. why we invented the, the hair mop. I mean, he, he was pretty to look at until about 2005. Well, and that's what Bill Bell always said. You know, Bill Bell once famously said, cast them pretty and teach them how to act later. As long as you give them good story, the viewers will be there. Because I'm telling you, Joshua Moore didn't know how to cry on screen until Cassie died. (laughs) Until Cassie died. Oh, Cassie. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, anyway, now let's get in to looking back at the history of The Young and the Restless. You know, Y&R has so much rich history. We're coming up on their 48th birthday. And in those 48 years, there have, of course, been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters. So anyway, with that being said, Tiggs, let's go to you first. Who would you like to see return to The Young and the Restless and why? I mean, of course, Victoria Rock. Of course, I mean, you know, I mean, 
hell would have to have, you know, polar bears figure skating. But I mean, even, you know, even though it's been two years since Neil died, Lily and Devon are grown. Them twins are 42 years old. <laughs> I mean, there's still so much for her to do. I, I would love it if, you know, I don't know. Maybe Devon and Amanda could be on a rescue relief mission to some downtrodden city in Canada some damn where. And they find Drusilla in a comatose state or some shit like anything. Hell, well, you don't, you don't even have to do that. What you could do, in my opinion, you know, I don't want to hijack your story, but I'm no. just expanding on it in my thought. So what you could do is, you know, Devon could extend his housing project with Neil to other states, and Amanda could go to different states with him in impoverished cities and, you know, help him get the legal ease worked out of it. And they find this amnesiac woman. Uh, that's all you need to do. I'm sure Drew hit her head a couple times on the rocks on the way down. Or Drew could have been held in a basement in captivity like one of those women here on the news. <laughs> yes. And who's yeah. behind it? She avocado cotta. No, I'm kidding. I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it could be something like that because I mean, she would be a ratings get. You bring oh, her back God, on you imagine? Yeah, and, and promote the hell out of it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, at least 200,000 viewers come back. At least. By this and, point, yeah. At least 200,000. Yeah. And Lord knows they need a child. <laughs> which uh, ratings will definitely be another discussion too <laughs> um so alan what about you who do you feel needs to return to Wyandar and why i feel like the show needs another dick that doesn't have liver spots on it so i'm gonna say no newman it doesn't have to be no robert addison it could be a new actor just bring noah back he's a fucking son of nick and sharon he should be on the show he should be a major character. He shouldn't just be Nick Jr. He needs his own personality, his own goals in life. He needs to be fucking around the General City. He needs to be driving the story most definitely. Oh, I yes. remember when that child was born and Sharon's pregnant ass was passed out in the snow for a week. Oh, that was such a good week, though. I re- I was like on the edge of my sheet. Uh, sheet, Lord. On the edge of my seat. You know what I mean? Like that was... Oh, that was a good week. Um, For me, I have to take it to another legacy son character. And that is, of course, somebody who gets brought up on this podcast a lot. And that is Kimo Abbott. Um, You know, this whole podcast, let me just preface this by saying, because I know fans will be like, Casey, that will never happen. I know, but this is me talking, okay? It's opinionated. Kimo could drive so much and he and Kyle need to have a feud, um, especially, you know, Kimo could feel like he has to kind of vie for Jack's attention all the time because he was the son kind of tossed aside, which can cause him to do some rotten things to Kyle to impress Jack and hopefully get the CEO spot at Jabot. He could rekindle things with Christine after Paul hopefully dies um, because, you know, Doug Davidson says he's done every five minutes. So why not just have him done? Um, There's so much that chemo could do. And there's so much 
tied to that character, Philip Moon, you know, even if they wanted to bring back the original chemo, Philip Moon, he still looks hot. I mean, he has barely aged and he looks great. So, I mean, there you go. It's literally that simple. And especially with this whole, you know, storyline with Kyle and Tara and uh, Ashland Locke, you know, I feel like that's a perfect time to just kick things into high gear with the chemo character. Um, so yeah, chemo Abbott. You're not kids. He's he's old enough to have a grown kid now. Exactly. And even if they didn't want to bring back chemo because Peter Bergman allegedly hates that character, then bring in a kid. There you go. Bring this in a kid. No, Kyle's at age. this at this stage of the game. YNR is pretty much getting the same ratings another world got when that got canceled 22 years ago. No. Uh, CBS needs, Viacom, damn it, needs to tell Peter Berg, <laughs> I don't give a damn what the hell you don't like. You, you ain't in a position to complain about shit. It ain't 1995 no more. And you're not Eric Brady. So no. And you still making close to six figures a year. Shut up and deal with the storyline. You know what? Yeah, I would say, look, We'll pair you, you will all, be okay. We'll pair you with all the young women you want, but you're gonna let us bring back this fucking character. Because no, because no, the shit was racist. Because you know, goddamn well, if Chemo's mama would have been black, he couldn't have got away with that shit. Again, so all, get away all, with all alleged about you know, the chemo uh, situation. Allegedly. All alleged. But everybody um, knows true. And my whole thing is, damn, y'all could at least have the courtesy just to at least kill chemo off screen 10 years ago. Y'all know y'all know, say, at least never existed. I, you know, and I still can't believe to this day that Charles Pratt Jr. actually brought him up because I remember that scene so distinctly. Jack was in the middle of Genoa City Memorial Hospital. I think he was talking to like Ashley or something. And he said chemo's name. And I paused the TV. I rewound that scene. I was like, hold on, hold on. What? Who? Whose name? Who? Who? Well, I, I guess other than Kimo was fine since he was already playing a Peru, uh, a Peruvian doppelganger. <laughs> oh, you God, can deal with you, you can deal with that, but you can't deal with an aging brat. Exactly. Exactly. Now that's something you get offended by. That shit. You don't get offended by having some Asian kids. Tom Hughes was fine with his aging kid. Oh, Liam. Tom Black was fine with his aging kid. Why the hell you can't be fine? Oh, Liam. I used to love Leon Hughes. <laughs> Shout out to oh. World Turds. And God, why does Ming Na still look like that? Shit. I know. Ming Na. I look older than Ming Na. Never Shit. ages. She oh, literally man. never ages. <laughs> <sighs> so, anyway. <laughs> now let's get in to the category that I've kind of wanted to rush to get to because it's going to be one of my favorites. And now has come the time to <laughs> discuss the current storylines of YNR. Alan, we will start with you. The current storyline is only one that's terrible. Tig, stop. <laughs> Alan. We will start with you. Um, what storyline do you feel needs to be dropped and why? Jack and Sally. It's fucking bullshit. They keep on throwing these grandpas at all these young women. Jack is old enough to have watched Gilligan's Island when it first aired. 
His balls <laughs> do not need to be on Sally's chin. His 80-year-old balls. It's disgusting. And he's a stop. It's a woman's genre. We do not need to see all these old men for all these young women. Put him with an age-appropriate woman like Lawrence the White Lad and stop it. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, they're in real life. <laughs> and you know when an actor gets to a certain point on a soap where the birth year of the character really doesn't matter? You know what I mean? Because they've been on for so long. So like Jack, for all intents and purposes, Jack is Peter Bergman's age. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter anymore. He's been on there long enough. I mean, so, well, yeah. With Kino that being said, bad shit. Yes. He fought in the Vietnam War fifty years ago. Yep. So with that being <laughs> said, you know, there is a thirty-six year age difference between Courtney Hope and Peter Bergman. Mm-hmm. It was even worse with that Alice Hunter girl who was only twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is so disgusting and. You know, I, I was actually listening to one of our older podcast episodes the other day, and um, I had heard me say how much I was liking Jill and Jack in more scenes together before Y&R had shut down last year. Mm-hmm. And that should be the story. Jill and Jack should be together, in my opinion. Yeah, I've always wanted that. I've always yes. wanted Jill and Jack together. I all I kind of all instead of that fake out about Jack's paternity, something Ashley would never do. Mal Young. That's why she don't want to come back now. Should have Mal Young been gone for two years allegedly. But like, I would love to fake out story where you know Billy finally is confronted with the fact that you know his big brother, his mama used to screw, and that was almost his dad. Now, see, that's something that could have set Billy spiraling out of control at 40. I could see that. Not his dead-ass daughter that's been dead. Poor Delia. She's been dead since, god damn it. She's been dead since uh, that baby was down the river in the Bible. She's been been dead dead since Jeff Quatnitz was trying to allegedly con the One Life to Live cast out of money. Like, I, uh. <laughs> Allegedly. but yeah, something, but yeah, like Jill and Jack should have always been a thing. Yeah. I mean, because at this point, Jess would come back more often, just give her something to do. Jess has always said she would come back if they gave her <laughs> yeah. another freaking story. There's a reason she came back on Sally Sussman's reign because Sally Sussman gave her that beautifully told heart story which I really liked that story Mm -hmm. you know because we were finally done with Colin Um, Sally built all of the layers of that story very early on you know with like Jill just mentioning oh I'm gonna go lie down I have some jaw pain you know so it was brilliant to tell the story um, with her for that and you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to write for these veterans on The Young and the Restless. Windar, in my opinion, is truly the easiest show to write for. Even easier than The Bold and the Beautiful. Because the thing about Windar is you really don't have to do that much legwork to get it to be great again. Because all of the people who made it great to begin with are still here 30 and 40 years later. You still have Lauren and Jack and Michael and Nikki and Victor and Ashley on occasion. 
and shit, even Esther, <laughs> how you doing? So you have everybody there, but Tiggs, let's go to you. What story do you feel needs to be dropped on Y&R and why? That dumbass baby story because it's offensive. Why the lesbian and the Negro got to get a rich white couple a damn baby? It will never happen that way in real life. Abby Newman, uh, Jackson Collins, Winthrop would just take her ass on to the internet and get uh, some no name and get them knocked up like she's a Kardashian or whatever with some random sperm apparently and you know keep her out of the public eye until nine months later a baby pops out and her and Chance would be on the cover of People fucking magazine. That's what would happen. They would sell the photos for about, you know, $9 million. And that's what it would be. That's it. And I, and I get it. I get from a soap standpoint, they're trying to incorporate different characters and they just think it's this big umbrella story involving most of the town. And no, fuck that. This shit is offensive. You have two of the greatest younger actors, Emmy winners, supporting the character that's lukewarm at best. It's not Melissa Ordway's fault. The writing for Abby has just always been inconsistent and it sucks. The easiest character to write for on the fucking show and it sucks. And they proved that Josh Griffin does not like the character. He's forced to write for her. He didn't like it when Emmy Riley was in the role. That's why he brought her ass out eight years ago. How the hell you don't got nothing to do for Victor and Ashley's daughter? You just didn't want to write for her, you prick. That's it. Because all you give a damn about is how many times Adam took a shit today or how many times Billy had to scratch and sniff his fucking balls. That's what you care about. I'll, I'll scratch and sniff him for Billy if he wants me to. But <laughs> but yeah, like, it, 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 no. What needs to happen, like I said on Twitter, while Chance is going off getting his face um, surgically altered and playing James <laughs> Bond. <laughs> Something needs to happen where the first dissemination doesn't take. And, you know, Mariah is sad about it. Abby's sad about it. You know, Ray can catch Sharon sitting on Adam's face. He goes to get a room at that god-awful hotel, and they run into each other and just have a wham-bam night of sex. They both feel terrible and regret it the next day. And, you know, try- what's, what's even worse about the story like one of the worst actors of the surrogacy story for me has been Devon and Abby because one when Rylan played Abby I wanted Devon and Abby together because um you know Maria Bell kind of Kim tested them and I could see the chemistry there and then you know when that didn't work out I still loved their friendship I love Devon and Abby's friendship. And now that is like mortally wounded because of this. Like I am not going to give a sperm, some sperm to one of my like friends and say, here, go have a baby or something. Use me. That's when you think about it. But that's kind of different. Hillary died. That's such a massive, think that Devon would just give away his baby to her? No. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, that's kind of different for us, Casey. I mean, we're gay men. Like, you but know, that's the same story with Mariah, though. You know, they well, feel yeah. as though, you know, yeah. because she's gay, Mariah will never want children of her own. So why yeah. not just use True. her as the incubator? True. So for us as True. gay men, 
it's like, oh, well, we never want children to raise on our own. So why not just hand sperm off to, you know, Larry Slobitovich and call it good? This is true. See, what, what Abby needs to do is, well, no, because I don't want that character back. Never mind. What I was going to say, scratch it. Because uh, I was going to bring up black market, you know, continue her family's history of black market children um, <laughs> from Rose DeVille. But then I remember that god awful prim Rose DeVille that Maria created. Oh, so never mind. But, you know, yeah, Abby. Abby is part of the Abbott family, the Newman family, now the Chancellor family. She could get any baby she wanted to. You, They should be like Angelina jolie her right now. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, Botswana to get a child. There you go. Perfect. Or, you know what? I, I'm all for a good adoption story. We haven't had one in a long yeah, time. Like, do a complicated how they try adoption. to drive home was you know, we just have to have our own biological child. No, you don't. No, it's 2021. If you really want a child that bad, you will take a child from a dragon, bitch. You just want to be a mother. Like, you don't have, it doesn't have to. And that's what would really turn this around for me. That's what would really turn this around for me. You know, with Nina being there, Nina should discuss motherhood with Abby and be like, you know, Abby, I always wanted to be a mother too. And my child was taken for me and I didn't meet him for 30 years. You know what I mean? Like Nina's there, which, you know, it's great to see Trisha cast, but they're not having those conversations. You know, Nina just needs to say to her, you know what? Drop this, Abby. Just, you know, stop the craziness, stop the madness. And if you really want to be a mother, then be a mother you know don't jump through all these hoops of sperm donation and all that just go to an adoption agency go to you know an orphanage or something and, and really then easy to write in no really really easy to write and have to like want to face friends be pregnant and let Abby can adopt the baby why it could be one of the oh my god that would be amazing yeah. alan that like, would be a yeah. bill bell story oh yeah that, that little hot in the ass little girl face be Jordan, yes. yeah, Jordan, she's older, she can end up knocked up, yes, or or like they said, like you know, yeah, she could be knocked up, and maybe her friends disown her family, disowns her, and she ends up having to be a, a waitress at society or something like that. Yes, Abby hires her to be a waitress at society, yep, and you know. She's all scared and all that stuff. And her family didn't disown her. She ain't got no money. You know, Faith's been sneaking her in at night, letting her sleep with her in her room. And then Sharon find it. You get this fast-ass little girl out of my house. Well, mom, she has nowhere to go. I don't give a hot damn. You know. So <laughs> like Melissa Etheridge, come to my window. And that's all I can sing of that because we don't have the money to pay for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. That and you tell like you tell a story like that during the summer months, like Bill Bell used to do. You know, you put your teens on the front burner then, and you know, pair that girl up with Lola. She could be like, "Oh, I'll teach you how to cook. I know you've always had the passion for it." Well, um, I'm probably gonna be gone because Sasha has to film yeah. the Flash. But you know, you do like you make us fall in love with that Jordan character. And then there you go. She gave birth to that baby. She dies in childbirth or something. 
and then Abby has that. Or she takes off a pair of Moses if he, if people like her enough. Ooh. Oh. Moses belongs to Faith Aquanet. <laughs> to Faith. <laughs> <laughs> Moses belongs to Faith. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I mean, that could be really interesting, Alan. Yeah. I I kind of I kind of like that I I really do Tiggs I get what you're saying but no no I know I, I mean hey it could be a triangle too I mean yeah. exactly it's a soap and but you know Faith could be like my God I've already given you everything you wanted you live in the Chancellor Mansion with Abby do you have to steal Moses too exactly there yeah, you because go. It, it doesn't make sense the way Devon felt about having children especially when Hillary died. And him having not one, but two women he can impregnate on the canvas, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Like, I'm about to call her by her name, Brittany. But Elena is <laughs> going back and forth between him and Nate, bouncing off of them, literally, like ping pong balls. She must got you a uterus of steel. She ain't got pregnant yet. Because I was. Hell, I got shit. I'm ovulating every time I see Nate shirtless. So she. Oh God, me too. And Lord, every time they show Sean Dominic and the soap opera, you know, sports briefs that every man wears during a love scene, and his thighs are up. Oh Lord, ooh. oh. Now I need a drink. I'll see. Right. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, now that we discussed uh, stories that need to be dropped. Let's discuss stories that need to be created. So now we're moving into our third category here, which is a character most in need of a storyline and then what you would have them do. So Tiggs, let's start with you. Who do you think is most in need of a story and then what would you do with them? Um, Going back to what I said earlier, Nikki, I said on Twitter, I think last week, I would cast the Colleen Zink or... Uh, a Maeve Kincaid or, you know, somebody as Casey, give us some terminal illness and, and let Melody Thomas Scott argue with her and cry. Well, Nikki about- had breast cancer. I mean, not yeah. Nikki, Casey. Okay, yeah, let her breast cancer come back. You know, give somebody Melody Thomas Scott can argue and cry with for a few months. And then you Sharon can counsel her. Yeah, you know, you, and, you know and then and, and Casey can have a kid. You know, you can hire somebody around my age. That's when you get like a, I don't know. But yeah, you you you, fire, you hire some brat to be Casey. Free Underwood. There you go. I can't remember who was Casey with when she left the show. Was she with somebody? I can't remember if she was with the man or not. Oh, Casey been gone so long, child. I know Casey's been gone yeah. for like 40 years. Um, exactly. Like, you know, they just let Nikki mention her once a year. <laughs> but, I know. When she mentioned her to Victoria, I'm like, who, what you mentioned her for? for? <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, Nikki can become a surrogate mother to Casey's daughter. They can bond while Casey's dying. You know, that, that'll give something Mel can sink her teeth into for at least six months and beyond. Exactly. I mean, and you know, Casey, when Bill Bell wrote the show, Casey was there for Nikki, like when she got shot, um, you know, Casey came back real quick. Um, And, you know, same with Nikki, you know, 
when Nikki got home from rehab, Victor was like, oh, I'm so happy to see you, my baby. And she's like, well, Maria, Rena Bell can't afford me. So I'm going to go be with my sister off screen. And so, you know, they've always been there for each other. Um, but Tiggs, to echo what you said, I think Nikki needs a story as well. Um, and what I was thinking of, because, you know, I was just sitting watching Wyandar earlier today. And I was like, shoot, you know, I still kind of need to come up with something for Nikki to do, though, for tonight's podcast. And I thought, you know, this story could also be a one-two punch with Victoria. So go with me here. So remember the guy who was stealing the money from Newman Enterprises. Um, and, you know, Victoria was going to, like, deal with him as Phyllis was blackmailing her and everything. <laughs> so I feel as though that character needs to come to town because I don't understand why they just dropped that and that was it. And I think this character and Victoria should start to, you know, catch feelings for each other, but like hot feelings, you know, have hot sex. Like, you know, he's the bad boy who stole all the money. She's the prim and proper CEO and just get it back to her being hot and steamy. And then slowly, but surely there's something wrong with this guy. And, you know, he starts spiking Nikki's beverages with alcohol, or he starts, you know, little by little leaving things for her and um, that kind of scare her. And so her MS flares up and it's revealed that this man is a long lost son of Veronica Landers, who no one knew she had by the time she came to town. And he wants to finally finish Nikki off like his mother never could. And you can reveal that he's been plotting this for years and him being with Newman Enterprises because they mentioned that guy had been with Newman Enterprises for a long time now. So he's been waiting to get an in. Little by little, he's been trying to insert himself um, and it would be perfect. So that's what I would come up with. And then, you know, Melody Thomas Scott can do what she does best. Like Tiggs mentioned, she can cry her little eyes out. Um, Anyway, Alan, what about you? Who do you think is most in need of a story and what would you have this person do? I think you're going to probably answer. I'm going to say Michael. Oh, did you not like his dick cancer from a few years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they should bring back Lauren's heart attack inducing pussy, have her fuck Mike, I mean Jack, and Michael was batshit crazy again like he was in the 90s. Like full on crazy because Lauren actually Lauren Lissine leaves him for for Jack. It isn't just like with Carmine where he just fucked him and it was a one time thing. Oh, Carmine! Aw, <laughs> he had real potential. But anyway, oh, yeah, I don't like fully crazy. Maybe lock Jack's ass up in a cage. He's go full crazy, <laughs> full Stefano Demera is what you're saying. <sighs> I. I've always wanted, um, yeah, for Lauren to cheat and Michael to get really drunk one night. And and I've proposed this story before, so our listeners know where I'm going with this. But then for Tracy to see him, Tracy be right there to console him, and they end up sleeping together. Because I feel as though the Tracy and Lauren feud, I just want to see Beth and Tracy Bregman and story again you know what I mean like that feud lasted for so long 
and it's like never mentioned again never brought up again you know it's just gone like it doesn't exist in the show's history anymore but yeah i michael could use a story christian Mm. leblanc you know he can do anything y'all know me i ain't never liked the character of michael baldwin to me, well, it's been 30 team. years and I don't care, but he is still that little pervert that was looking at my freaking player that evil. And it well, I to back to that. He used to be crazy. Just make him crazy again. The original because, because, Franco. No, <laughs> I, I never, I was never a Michael and Lauren fan. They always gave me a Will and Grace vibe. I always called him Lawrence Beard. I've never saw the sexual chemistry. They only put them together because they had nothing for Lauren to do. They were the only two single people over 40 in General City back then, so they just put them together. Um, I always loved them together. He, now, he, granted, he, he defamed Lauren. He defamed her. He domesticated Lauren. And Lauren Finmore should never be domesticated. Well, they just think, like yeah, they lost. God damn it. Because they've been together so long, I mean, God, it's been gosh 16 years haven't they been together that long almost yeah. 20 yeah no because yeah think almost michael 20 and lauren, yeah i think didn't michael and lauren get married i think I was they got married and they got married in 05 okay but their relationship oh, yeah. started in like very late 03 yeah that's what i'm saying yeah. like okay yeah I, yeah i was still in high school when they got together so i was just like eh, this what y'all doing oh, okay but yeah i mean <laughs> because they've been together so long the characters have just kind of canceled each other out of who they used to be. And, you know, what was great about their relationship so early on, the reason I fell in love with Michael and Lauren is because the danger of Sheila was still there. Um, You know, like the classic episode they showed, I loved the classic they showed of Lauren and Sheila on the yacht. I was like, you know, that's the Michael and Lauren that I know. Like Lauren was like calming down a little around Michael but she bit, beat the shit out of Sheila about the, that yacht, you know, threw around the room and shattered her into a mirror and everything. And, and, and that's another thing, like, I, Kim LeBron ain't doing nothing. We're worrying about them damn avocados. CBS need to cough up some money and be like, Kim, come on over and holler at us for about three months. And I get it. Look, y'all, I get it. She made a touching tribute post to Rush Limbaugh. I, I know, we all know her political affiliations, but looky here. We also know about Wyandotte's ratings. And I'm sorry, hmm, what, what should I take? A Rush Limbaugh post on Instagram or another decade of The Young and the Restless? I'm sorry, I'm going to pick option B. And, and, anyway. And, but in at least, Kimberlyn Brown knows how to be a professional. Exactly. She wouldn't she's not be a, doing she's not Ingo, a Rademacher Ingo Rademacher. Yeah. You know, Kimlin acts the fool like that on her own fucking time, not CBS. And she never brings her job into it. Yeah. That's the thing. She, when she was out there, you know, loving the Republicans, she never once brought Bold and Beautiful into it. She kept her return to the soaps and her political life completely separate. And she goes as so far to hyphenate her name. I mean, you know, like on B&B, for example, if she was in the closing credits, it was going to be Kimberlyn Brown. But, you know, in politics, it's Kimberlyn Brown. I don't know, whatever it is. Peltzer, isn't that her hyphenated name? 
I can't oh, remember. Oh, it is? Oh. Hmm. I thought it was guacamole. <laughs> uh, Kimberlin Brown, Pfizer, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I feel like Windar just, I think we can all agree, Windar just needs a shot in the arm, you know, mm-hmm. and a, just a little bit jolt of energy, you know, get the show rolling again. It's very, it's very one note. It's very guiding light circa 2008 where nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, we're, like, we're just seeing the same things over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, Adam and Chelsea. I mean, hell, Adam and Sharon. Sharon and Way. Nick and Phyllis. Nick and Nikki. Phyllis and, and, and Nick Summer. and Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Nikki and Victor. Victoria and, and, and Nikki. Phyllis and Summer. It's just these Kyle and Jack. All is so fucking repetitive. Like, we've seen these scenes a million fucking times. Like, yes. and like I said, if you're if you're gonna have Jack with a thirty year old, make it realistic. She wants his fucking money. Yeah, and we need okay to we need Jack to know him. that yeah. from the beginning. And we need to know that. Yeah, we need to be. Don't you miss those stories on soaps where they used to let the viewer in to the secret? You know, like for example, we knew that Papa Chancellor had left that shit for Jill. But Jill didn't know. And so we went on this year-long journey before the attic cat fight between Kay and Jill, knowing that Papa Chancellor had left her all that stuff in his will. But Jill didn't know, and that was fun because we got to see Catherine hold it over her head. Um, You know, we got to read articles about it in Soap Opera Weekly. Uh, Shout out to Mimi. Uh, But, you know, we don't get that on daytime anymore. Like they hold out too long. Like the Ashley Abbott paternity thing that you brought up earlier, Tiggs. I actually liked that story at the very end, but I think I would have liked it a whole hell of a lot more if we knew what Ashley had done from junk. Because I actually bought, I understood what Ashley did because Jack had spent decades devaluing her name and always making Ashley the cop out for his mistakes. And she was fucking done. She said, I'm not going to do this shit with you anymore. You know, we're both 60 years old, like enough. But they lost me between the whole, oh, are Jack and Victor brothers? Are, you know, Jack and Lauren brother and sister Mm. after sleeping together 40 years ago? I mean, it was just, they lost me so much. And that shit wasn't cute. I didn't find that funny. But then, you know, by the time, you know, Eileen's like last two weeks on the show being under contract this round, I liked it. But I was like, it's a, it's a little too late now. I mean, well, that's because it's Eileen fucking Davidson. She could sell, she could sell, a, God damn it, she could sell ice fishing gear. She could sell Monaby. <laughs> okay, but like I said, hell, she can she can sell ice fishing gear to state shit. But she could you know, sell I mean, the she could sell turquoise jewelry on the side of a stand in Arizona. She could sell Shakespeare classes to Tristan Rogers, apparently. <laughs> she could sell porn to Tristan Rogers Twitter followers. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess that was um 
And anyway, for those YNR fans who are like, get back to Nikki and Victor and him. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about now um, the team behind The Young and the Restless. So, of course, mm. the head writer is Josh Griffith. Mm. The executive, uh, <laughs> Tiggs, <laughs> let me get through this. The executive producer is Anthony Marina uh, with Josh. You know, he's been receiving a co-executive producer credit as well. Um, so, Alan... Let's go to you on this. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate the writing for The Young and the Restless? And then how would you rate the production of The Young and the Restless? Each on a scale of one to five separately. Writing, I would give it a two because there's real potential here. Why not all the ingredients for good soap, but it isn't. That's why it gets a two, not a one. Because there's potential, but no. Producing, the show looks like shit right now, so it's a one. Okay. And then, Tiggs, what about you on the separate scales of one to five? Okay, you said on a scale from one to five, you said production and what else? Writing. So overall writing. One. God, because the writing, the writing is one and boring. It's one because it's boring. It's tone deaf. I mean, the only reason it, it's remotely familiar or entertaining is because of the actors. Because we know these people, we know these characters. That's why when it comes to like stuff like you know when they had to kill Neil off, and you know Melody Thomas Scott's you know, anniversary episode and Peter Bergman's anniversary episode. Oh, those were so good. They were good, but they write themselves. Yeah. You, I, God damn it. Dina Higley couldn't fuck that up. So, Dina Higley's I mean, actually done some great tribute episodes. <laughs> like, I mean, but yeah, but it's like, because those those things write themselves, even though the, even the hackiest of hacks can't mess up an anniversary episode. Mm-hmm. Well, never mind, child. Hmm. And then what about production? Production, I'm going to say a three. Oh, wow. Because. That's actually way higher than I thought you would give it. Because when it comes to things like the Grand Phoenix and society, (laughs) it's like they try to go in this hip kind of direction and it, they missed the mark and then you have other sets like the Newman Ranch set that's probably my favorite set and that's because the newer Newman Ranch because it looks like the old school Newman Ranch but renovated I didn't like that old Newman Ranch like when Tessa first got to the show I didn't like that old Newman Ranch that that looked like a knockoff ass wild wind from all my Diggs, children. What Newman Ranch do we have? My it's the size of my closet. I mean, um, well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying the layout of that set reminds me of the old Newman Ranch. It just looks renovated. That's what I'm saying. I, I like mm-hmm. it. It's a it, yeah, you know. Well, I, I like the furniture set, pieces, but it's like it, my favorite set, of course, is Catherine's house. Like, cause uh-huh. it's Catherine's house, the Chancellor's, and, but and it's like 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 the Sharon's house. I, I, I love Sharon's house, but Sharon was sitting on that same tacky, ugly-ass couch since at least 2001. They can't like, can reupholster that shit. They ain't got to get a new couch, just a new reupholstery. 
Like, you like Sharon said is completely outdated. Crimson Lights is outdated. And yes, I love being nostalgic and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, because even this little, they try to do a little renovation to Crimson Lights. I'm like, what y'all do? But I liked it though. I thought it was very tasteful because they kept all the same pieces that we know, but they gave us that nice updated marble counter. There's new tables and chairs. There's the new coffee bar. I liked it because if Jill Farron Phelps was still at this show and you told her to reboot Crimson Lights, and that's all I have to motherfucking say. So it was like a Starbucks. It yeah. was. <laughs> Sharon, we'd be like, oh, what do you want, Nikki? Do you want like coconut milk? It would look awful. And you know what? Sharon would now be played by Brittany Underwood. <laughs> yeah, it just they, they need to really do better with the sets. Um even with, with, with Devon set, like, redo that damn set. He's a billionaire. Redo the damn set. That it, it doesn't even feel like this is Devon's apartment. It feels like he's renting. Well, it was like, Adam's old penthouse. It, it's just. I, and you know what? No, you don't have to redo a set for Devon because he shouldn't be in that penthouse set. He should be in his grandmother's home. Kick Abby out of there, Abby. You know what? Chance isn't there anymore. Get the fuck out of the house. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm. You know, I'm fine with that. I mean, yes, he's Catherine's grandson, but Catherine was the chancellor by marriage. The real deal is in the house now, so I'm fine with that. I just wish he had a better set. I mean, it's better than Nick's old house set. I couldn't stand that. That set, but it was perfect for Nicholas. Oh, his very, mansion. Yeah, his mansion. It was, was, it was very, very douchebaggy. It was, it was the set you would expect from Nick. The open yeah. bar with his old underground logo. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. Like, honestly, I remember when that set debuted and I paused the TV and my mom was like, is this an episode from like 1993? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a huge set. Um, so for writing, for me, writing, in my opinion, I'm going to give it a two, uh, much like Alan. I see little glimpses of shit that I like. You know, I really like the Faith stuff. I mean, come on, that has been just the best story on the show. Um, I really like the Lauren-Sally dynamic um, because, you know, that derives from history from when Lauren was on B&B. And I really love just like the whole Sharon and Ray chemistry and the writing for them minus Adam because you know when Sharon and Ray do have their fights about Adam that's you know the acting taking those words off the page you know just leaping them off the page Um, and I think that's great and also you know I want to give a major portion of that too to not just story but also the writing team of Wyndar I mean, James Harmon Brown, Janice Faree Esser, Sarah Babelle, Brent Boyd, um, Natalie Minardi Slater, you know, people who have been with the show on and off for a while. Well, well, minus James Harmon Brown, because, you know, he just arrived for the first time a few years ago. But, you know, that's James Harmon Brown. He's been writing for soaps since the 70s. So, I mean... Mm -hmm. I will always have a soft spot for him because he used to write the shit out of Poor Charles. I don't care. Okay, yes, him and Barbara Estenson, may she mm-hmm. rest in peace. Um, you know, so Y&R has this amazing writing team. And, you know, even with the 
story consultant of Susan Dansby, um, and even with their new script writer, Susan uh, Davis, Susan Banks, excuse me. Um, you know, they've got just a great passel of writers. Now, production-wise, I'm going to give the show a two and a half, um, and that's because my favorite set is still there, the Abbott Manor. I love the Abbott Manor. It's, you know, that gorgeous staircase, the dining room, the red chair in the living room that John used to always sit in. I love that set. Um, I also love, you know, Catherine's house. I will forever thank Mal Young for giving us a very tasteful redo of that after Joe Farron fuck up shit all over it. Um, and I also love, um, oh, I just had the set in my head. Oh my gosh, I can't think of it. Oh, Crimson Lights, duh. I mean, I always love Crimson Lights because it is nostalgic. And, you know, right now with YNR only being watched by three people and a lamb, they need nostalgic. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's little things like that. Now, look, Society and Grand Phoenix, I get it, I do. They needed permanent sets to save money. But that don't mean you got to make them so butt-ass ugly. And I've gotten used to society little by little. It doesn't irk me as much as it did. But the Grand Phoenix, if Phyllis Summers owned a hotel, it would not look like that. You know what I mean? That hotel just doesn't have any personality of Phyllis in it. Phyllis is no longer that tacky. Phyllis would have opened a hotel looking like that maybe in 1997 but not Wayfair decorated it. Yes. Okay. Wayfair wish.com. There you go. <laughs> wish decorated it. Um, it's just, no, it's not. No. And also I don't understand why we can no longer see the uh, Jabot CEO set Jack's office. I don't broke. That's, that's probably too big for them. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, did you guys really spend your whole budget on those reruns? I mean, yeah, those were great, but what we get now. Oh, and I do like um, the Chancellor Park set that was created under Mal, you know, the add-on to that. Um, I do like that with the two benches and the great big monument thing. And yeah, but other than that, it's like, why are you the number one show but you look like you're number three out of four. Exactly. Because like I said, like, you know, with, with GH, say what you want about Frank. Even if it's some shit you don't want going on, there's going to be pretty shit. GH <laughs> looks like the number one show, it you know, is, from a like production the production standpoint. is always going to be on par. Yes. And I'm like, God, I almost want Frank Valentini to be a production consultant on The Young and the Restless, you know, to take one look at them sets and say, why are the billionaires living in a closet? Like Nikki's coffin from that 1987 dream episode of Wandar is bigger than the Newman Ranch. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get why those sets are so cramped and small. Like, come and on. I've, and I've always hated Victoria's house. I've always hated, and I know the whole sitcom house was, part of her and Billy's love story. I don't give a fuck. Ivanka Trump ain't living in no suburban ass. No. I used to love it when the whole set was there. Well, yeah, then just a couch and a, 
a blind, uh, I just, oh, no, I, I can't with these sets anymore. Something has got to change, you know? And honestly, oh, and I also, of course, I love Victor Newman's office. I mean, that's iconic, but the office hasn't changed. I mean, it, it feels like Y&R when I see yes. Victor in that office. Now, I will say, in my opinion, they do need to bring Victor's portrait back because I think, you know, you've taken away such a huge chunk of the show's history by not having that portrait there, um, in my opinion. So anyway, let's continue this talk of head writer and EP uh, for this <laughs> category. <Yeah>. So <laughs> Tiggs, these guttural sounds you make. Um, Tiggs, let's go to you. If you could pick any person to be the next head writer and the next executive producer of Windar, the one that you think could execute what we've talked about here today, then who would it be? Wendy Wish is executive producer and uh, you, who, who are you thinking of? Susan Dansby? She's um, my runner up. Marlene but McPherson, no. Elizabeth Snyder. Uh, no, uh, it's a man. I know oh, y'all. It's a man. James Herman Brown. Um, Patrick Mulcahy. Shit. Oh, Patrick Mulcahy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, Frank Hursley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> BF, no. Wendy Rich and Patrick Mulcahy. Okay. Yeah. I, I think they would make a great show together, most certainly. Like, yes. yeah, at the height of my GH batshit craziness in the 90s, <laughs> it was because of Wendy Rich. Oh, man. Um, and whenever I want to torture myself and watch Bowles when he was there, I can always tell. I can always tell when it's something that Patrick Mulcahy or Michelle Valjean did. And they ain't no Brad Bell foolishness. I can tell. So yep. if he ain't doing nothing right now, he can take his ass over there. Except spilling all the good tea about the Santa Barbara days. <laughs> I love when Patrick makes those threads. It's like, please keep them coming, please. Yes, and, and after Mal Young and after, because Josh Griffith, oh, oh, that ass getting fired. It's taking a while, but that ass getting fired. <laughs> but um, I just, oops, excuse me. Oh, God bless you. Yes, Look, you. it's gotten you so worked up. You're sneezing on the podcast. Now. The next hair writer they need to have does not need to be executive producer, too. I think that's one of the main things that, 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 that got Josh's ass in there for as long as he's been in there. He got that EP credit. Even Bill Bell fuck, himself. Yes, right. Quit giving these fuckers yes. EP credit. That's why it took so fucking long to get rid of uh, Maria Rita Bell. She was family, and she had that fucking EP credit. Like, even Bill Bell himself, even the creator of the show, who actually did hold both roles, he even said that nobody should do it because it's too much work on a person to hold both the roles. And plus, you can just clearly tell he only got that co-EP credit because Josh wanted it. And he wanted a little bit more say and story and all that. But uh, you see, you ain't getting that much say because look how many times he's allegedly been shot down by CBS coming up with pitches. So I'm telling you what, though, he, need, 
he needs to learn the art of the Dina Higley pitch because you know Dina Higley we've heard for years how she can pitch one sentence and the network always says yes to her so I'm like if you want your stories then pitch in a one sentence like Dina Higley <laughs> um Alan what about you who do you feel needs to be the next EP and the next head writer EP and Reich because she could do the damn thing. She could fix the show, production-wise, at least. And for head writers, I think they should have a team. They need two head writers. First, I'd have Susan Zansby because they need a female head writer, a black one. Secondly, I want David Christman. I know you might want to throw tomatoes if you're saying David Christman. But I think he'd actually do a good job. His guiding light was much better than Wynar is right now. I'd rather have cousins fucking than what's going on right now. Yeah, I was going to say, so who's going to fuck each other in the family? You know what? So Faith and Mariah will probably have a relationship. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really impressed with nothing he did at Garden Light. Yeah. And I was less, less than impressed at what he did at all my children. So he I think David, it. I think David to a point is a good writer, but I think not his head. I think he's a great script writer. I yes. love his scripts on days. His day yes. scripts are fire every single time. But for that's head what writer, I always believed about Gene Passanante. Gene Passanante was never meant to be a head writer. I don't give a damn what nobody say. She's a good breakdown writer. She was Gene is a take, fixer. Yeah, she Gene, was she yeah. was able to take whatever Hogan Sheffer did at World Turns and break that shit down like a twerk king contest. And Ron Calabardi. You know, yeah, she was like brought she was, she was able to here. break it down, yeah. and, and but uh, writing her own stories, she sucks. A like, few. I mean, I I liked a few. You know, she was responsible for giving us Devon and Hillary, and I really loved that. I mean, come on, that forever changed the direction of that show for the next five years. So yeah, I mean, I oh, and she gave us um, Laura and Kevin on GH, and so I really liked that. Um, oh, a clock is right twice a day. So, Tiggs, no, I'm gonna get look, don't get me wrong, there are stories I've hated of Jean Passanantes. However, oh, what her whole five years of GH? Well, Shelly Altman was there too. Oh, um, that bitch. <laughs> ain't she that kill my Ryan Harris. I want to remind you guys that David Preston did bring on Jonathan, but that was that's where it was fire. Yeah, that was the only good thing he did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm well, and you know, he's very well, Tammy's death was good, that was also good. And I liked to, he wrote the 70th anniversary episode, didn't he? I think, so. I think that uh, was really like, cute, yeah. You know, where you know, my Beth Cry, I mean, played Erna. yeah, he wasn't terrible, terrible. He was, he like, was, I, but yeah, but he didn't, like, I think he didn't all my children, yeah, ooh. um. For me, I would make the executive producer, and I think my choice is going to surprise a lot of people. It's not a name that often comes up, but Linda Gottlieb, um, you know, she's still out there. She's still working. I felt that her one life to live, live, Lord, her one life to live looked fabulous. Um, she was there, for those who don't know, Linda was there during kind of the golden 90s of One Life to Live with Marty's uh, gang rape and um, kind of the introduction of Todd and how he was trying to fake split personalities like Vicky and 
the whole Vicky realizing she killed her father, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, Linda, she just understood much like Frank Valentini, how to balance that budget and stay in her lane. You know what I mean? She didn't try to, you know, break into the writer's room or anything. She stayed in her lane. She was a professional and she got shit done. And I feel like she could really turn that ship around at that show. Um, And then for head writer, it does need to be Susan Dansby. You know, we had this discussion a few episodes ago um, where I had brought up, you know, this was a genre created by a woman for women and there's no women running these shows and it's all white men. And so that it needs to be fixed. You know, we need a female powerhouse team, especially at Bill Bell's The Young and the Restless. You know, a show that cut its teeth on writing strong, independent women um, because of Bill Bell's work with that. And even Bill Bell admitted, you know, he was like, the show would have been nothing without Lee uh, Philip Bell's kind of polish to looking at those stories and giving her thoughts. So, and I think, you know, both of you said Wendy Reich. I think she would be absolutely amazing. Um, There's no denying her talents. I mean, my God, you know, a decade at General Hospital and it looked amazing. So yeah, I would be up for Wendy as well. Um, But I'm certainly, my mind is certainly on Linda Gottlieb. Um, And then let's get into our final category. Um, We've talked about a lot over this, you know, podcast here. And we've explored in depth the issues with The Young and the Restless, how we think, you know, some things can be righted. Um, But now let's talk about what we're liking. So Alan, if you had to pick one aspect of Windar that you are liking right now and that has potential, what would it be and why? I'm liking Shadow because Mark Roseman and Sharon Kate have terrific chemistry, which wasn't surprising, but it's working in real life, but whatever. But they just need to sport more. They need to, they need to have Sharon out on actually fuck, and they need Chelsea to go fully crazy. I know she's kind of plotting right now, but I know they're going to go balls to the wall with it or not. They better. Yeah, she needs to go full on um, Annie from All My Children. Yeah. She needs to be nuts. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, she she stabbed Sharon like Annie did Erica. Yes, the joke that was so good. I loved lipstick that. On her. She shanked her <laughs> real good. That's what, they need to, that's what they need to do with Chelsea. Missy Egan excelled at being batshit crazy and scheming. Yes. Chelsea was never meant to be a fucking heroine or some long-suffering wife of Adam's. And that's what that's what always appealed to me about Chelsea and Adam. Because like I said, even this version of Chelsea and Adam could work if they were both trifling as hell together. Well, and see, that's why it worked for me, too, because Adam had met his match because Chelsea mm-hmm. was like, you know, Adam's game was more, you know, very Stefano Demera, throwing a fetus in fire, you know, getting his eyes clawed out in prison. And Chelsea was like, you don't need to do all of that to be bad. Let me show you how it's really done. And then over time, especially with Justin Hartley's Adam, you know, they kind of canceled each other out and they became a viable love story. But Chelsea still had the fire in her, like that time she held the scalpel to Victor's throat in the hospital. And 
Chelsea just needs to come back to that fiery personality she once had if they want to redeem that character. Um, Tiggs, what about you? One aspect of Wind are you're liking? The Negroes. <laughs> like, I, and no, just anytime they're on screen, like, it, it doesn't feel repetitive. Exactly. It, it feels fresh. And it, like, I love the whole aspect of Amanda and her mother. That needs to be explored more. Like, the actress that plays her, her mama, that's a fine. And I want to I see more of her and her sister. Like, that girl. Amani, yeah. Amani, that girl acts like Hillary. She acts mm-hmm. just like Hillary. And, 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 and it's the perfect balance. It's like, it's almost like if Hillary was still alive and she met Amanda. Because they would have clashed. Amanda and Hillary would have been into it. It would have been very Leslie um, and kind of Lori Brooks. You know how they always hated each other. Yeah. Like they they need to really explore that. Like that's so good. And like everything with with Devon and and, and Nate and Elena. Like Mm -hmm. explore more of Elena. Like I've been saying this for the longest time. Like you want to connect Elena to the canvas? She, she's obviously mixed. You make her father Matt Miller. Y'all can bring him back. The actor came back for Eric Braden's 40th anniversary last year. He still looks damn good with his old. Oh ass. my God, Robert Maruka. You, you, you bring oh. back Matt Miller. You, you that way you can give us a black Newman without Victor having nutted in anybody 40 years ago. Like, <laughs> like, like Victor. You already know Victor would love having him a black niece. You know he would love it. Victor shit. was already on his third vasectomy by the time uh, Elena was born. <laughs> so, like, he would, it, it, would, it would be so great. Like, Victoria could have an actual female friend. Like, you know, because nobody else likes her. But, you know, she could have a female <laughs> friend. She'll have a cousin. You know, Summer will have a big cousin and Faith. And, and, and Abby will have a cousin. Nikki will have her, a black niece. Oh my god, can you imagine Nikki with the black? (laughs) Like she'll have like Nikki, she could tell Nikki about lace fronts, you know. (laughs) You know, there you go. When Casey gets cancer, (laughs) they can have a wig discussion. (laughs) I I think that'll be great. Like that 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 would make her a Newman. Well, like I said, without giving Victor any surprise children that will link her to the canvas. She would have a home base. Mm -hmm. I would love that. That would be cute. Um, the one aspect of Wyandar that I'm really enjoying is the continued use of um, Olivia Allen Lynn um, with the whole face story. I absolutely love scenes oh. between Olivia and Sharon Case because that, you know, we've watched Olivia on this show now for how long has it been? Like a decade? And so it's pretty much been a decade, yeah. Back to the day, yeah, when they used to swap her out with the other little girl. Oh, demon face with the five. Yeah, it was like it was like the two Beckys from Roseanne. Sometimes you would see Lisey Gorenson, sometimes you would see Sarah Chalk. And and it was fine. (laughs) You just like, oh, this we got we got OG Becky this week. So you know, we just swap out. OG Faith isn't off doing the coat of many colors this week. So she can be paid for a bit. Um and that little girl McKenna Grace School does Annie. She's so good. Yes, especially like, they might recast that she booked that Chucky series. I know. Well, no, no, which, fuck that. No, she's she uh, young. She can do double duty. She was okay. Ass right look, there. 
SAG says you can close the studio down at five o'clock. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's circle back around, damn it. Because hell, Victoria Rod was front burner and was on diagnosis murder for eight seasons at the right. same goddamn time. You can do both. <laughs> if I was her parents, I'd work out. I have a tutor following her ass every motherfucking way. She'll be all right. Her schoolwork gonna get done. Yeah, she's going to be getting her hair done. You know, they're going to be counting her down. You know, Scott McKenzie's directed today's episode of Why Not. He could be counting her down and the tutor can go, what's the hypotenuse? Okay, great. I'm turning your assignment for you. Okay. Um, But yeah, I just, Olivia and Sharon Case match each other in scenes. Like Olivia has given Mark Grossman a run for his money. Sharon Case a run for her money. Melody Thomas Scott a run for her money. Even Michelle freaking Stafford. When she said, you better not tell my dad, fellas. I loved it. I mean, Olivia is just so amazing. And honestly, she finally deserves that Emmy. Like she needs to win that Emmy. Um, but yeah, so great job by her. And that is just such a great storyline. Yeah, um, that's the best part of the show. The, yeah, the need because they the haven't race. dropped it after two yeah. weeks. You know, this has been a like four month storyline now. It's like, and that little girl can do anything. I I want Faith Newman's life to burn down to the ground. Yeah, I oh want, yes. I want her to be a shitty ass mess. Y'all can give a mess next week if you want. I just want her to be out here. We need to head to like a big accident. And I feel like that's where the story's going. Like it's building and building to like a big accident, like a Cassie level accident. I'm not saying, you know, they were going to kill Faith Hot, but you know what I mean? Like she's going to go through something that will make her see the light of what she's done these past few months. And it will probably be like towards the end of the summer or something. Can she throw Christian down the stairs and put him in a coma? Shoot, I'm lock him in the garage again, like <laughs> Adam's baby did. Because, like, because me, I don't give a damn about Christian. If, if Adam ain't gonna raise him, I don't care. Nicholas got enough kids. Christian don't need to exist. Look, women have been fighting off Nicholas's bionic sperm since 1994. <sighs> anyway, so this has been a very fun discussion about the Young and the Restless. Um, We'll see what the future holds for the show. Hopefully it's a far brighter one and hopefully we won't have to have one of these discussions in the future for a very long time. Um, anyway, with that being said, Oh, go ahead. Tix. Just one more thing. Just give go Nick ahead. and Phyllis something to do. I, like you, Michelle Stafford been back for two years now. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. We got a four month hiatus from COVID. She wasn't doing shit before COVID shit. So it like, all, all Nick and Phyllis do is argue about Victoria, wring their hands over 30-year-old Summer, have sex and play <laughs> video games. It's stupid. That's why I never got the long-term appeal about Thick. Yes, Thick were hot when they were cheating and catting around with each other, but trying to domesticate them, it doesn't work. You cannot domesticate Phyllis for a lot. That's always been the big issue with that couple. Nick's always wanted to declaw her, and you can't declaw Phyllis for a lot. It will never happen. Mm-hmm. Phyllis will be 70, still starting shit. <laughs> well, osteoporosis with a cane. Stop. Fuck <laughs> Where's her man? She got to, you know, she'll be, uh, you know, running after Christine and then she, they'll both have to stop to take their multivitamin. <laughs> yeah, like it's just come on, like do something. Like that's why I said break them up. God, Phyllis like, needs I, to be with Jack. 
She does. It should be funny, but, Sally. That'd be actually a hot hop on Pop's touring, not her Jack. And not even necessarily Pop, because let me tell you, Joshua Morrow, I would beg to be written into love scenes with Nicholas Newman. Yeah, I would beg. Sally did David, 20 years please. ago. Yeah, like that, that would be hot. If, if, if Phyllis did blow things up with Jack and Sally, like, okay, bitch, you want to play? Let's play. Since Nick got a thing for redheads, I'm going to show you better than I can tell. <laughs> what that mouth do. <laughs> so anyway uh, so just give them something to do it's like I, I don't understand why like it was just a snatch and grab it just I, I, I'm sorry Casey I, no Casey, go I, ahead look, baby you're fine I got a hot day to date bitch <laughs> but no I, I'm just saying like just do something like they haven't did anything and they're not doing anything with anybody like it's to the point now where with Jack they don't even take Jack's romantic life seriously no, and Jack this, always used to be the romantic leader. Yeah, and I mean, Jack went how long without a love interest? Nobody took Carrie seriously. Nobody's taking Sally seriously. I mean, hell, at this point, they could have put him back with Gloria for all I give a damn. It's just like, do something. And nobody is not saying Jack can have somebody young. Jack 70, give him a 50-year-old, damn it. Not a preschooler. So, like... I but, even like, liked somebody, when, you know... I will say, I even liked when he and Sharon showed up at the same retreat. And you knew they weren't going to get back together, nor did we want that. But Thank it was God. nice to see him around a woman his own age. You know what I mean? It was nice to see oh, him. She's not really oh, his own age. No, you know I didn't mean that. Like, that age He was talking. He was talking to an adult. You know that's what I meant. Calm down with your purple straw tigs. Um, and see, it's look, our listeners, color. our listeners won't even understand that. Look, Tiggs is drinking something right now. It's allegedly water. Uh, <laughs> no, it ain't. It's vodka and lemonade. Shit. <laughs> it's vodka. I told y'all we got to talking about um, Sean Dominic naked. I'm like, shit. I need Tiggs is at Society. <laughs> Alan's in his room at the Grand Phoenix. <laughs> and I didn't send my plate back. A Lola ain't make it right. Uh-uh, girl. You think you the shit now because you got the Warner Brothers money. Fuck that. Make my motherfucking plate right. <laughs> um, anyway, Alan, before we get interrupted, you might want to do this quick. Where can they find you on Twitter? By Alice Rappo. Wonderful. You could have asked him for his final call, Casey. I know I just give mine because I don't give a fuck, but you could have asked Alan. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> do you have anything else to say about daytime's number one drama, The Young and the Wrestlers? Don't need to get off here because I need to review Super Low. I need to get right out of you tonight. Exactly. So see, Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's get up off here because when it comes to them damn DC shows, Alan, cut a bitch. Okay. <laughs> if he up. misses one, it'd be like when uh, Sheila okay. was on Bold and Beautiful. And if you missed it, you lost it. Clark um, Kimbin showed his dick. And Alan would be like, you stupid bitches, I missed it. <laughs> he showed his missile. Uh, anyway, Tiggs, where can they find you, my darling? The best. Oh, shit. No, oh my god, you do this. No, but I'm gonna change week. it back. It's just that you know, I thought my OG Twitter was like gone forever. And then Tiggs, I, you're like a doppelganger you know. who like hasn't gotten caught for months, and then they say the best 11985. <gasps> you're not really Cordelia, you're Tiggs. Oh Jesus Christ. Why you say Cordelia <laughs> like like Peter Burton? Because that was the point. He <laughs> <laughs> said Cordelia's name like she was 73 when she died. Vivaldi, Vivaldi, Vivaldi. 
Oh, speaking of Vivaldi, let me tell Ken Cornette something. Don't nobody miss no motherfucking racist ass Melissa Reeves. So you tell her to take her ass on the Chick-fil-A and keep eating them punk ass, racist ass, homophobic ass sandwiches and bring back my Dixie Cooney Martin as Jennifer Rose. Tiggs, does this look like a Days of Our Lives podcast? I don't give a damn. It's Are a we Sony in Salem? Sony got steak and days. Shit. Steve Kent, you need to go over there to Salem and regulate some shit and keep trying to have your friend keep a job. Tell your homie he got to go. Refreshments in the back, motherfucker. Bye. Anyway, you can find me at KCSH. And as always, you can find our show at the chat underscore podcast. And we'll see you next week. Who knows? What can happen in that time frame? Who knows? Somebody gonna shit on themselves at General Hospital and it's gonna be worldwide news. Next on the chat and the restless. Okay, anyway. Bradford Anderson has shit stains all over the set of General Hospital. Bradford was Anderson. It Monty? Was it ghetto <laughs> clean? Maybe it was fried chicken and watermelon. We'll find out. Bradford Anderson lets Steve do it without a condom. And gave him a deal. <laughs> And if you're a real bitch, you'll know what a deal is. I'm not talking about a pit. Look, that's the type of porn I want to see hacked on Twitter next. <laughs> you nasty case. <laughs> oh, I could see it now. Top five ways to improve General Hospital. Ooh. <laughs> clocks. Anyway. Now y'all already know the top. The top way to fix General Hospital: Shakespearean classes. <laughs> Yes, hire more thespians. <laughs> that are going to hiss at you like a rattlesnake. Okay. <laughs> How you doing? How you Franco, rattlesnake? I didn't try to kill you. Okay, well, anyway, good night, y'all. Bye. Good night, guys. Wear a mask, wash your ass. Mind your business. Thank you.